Chapter 27 As expected of a ship's brig, it was smelly, dark, and devoid of convenience, and although Finn was determined to remain indignant, she found herself comforted by the suggestion that she was a sort of guest. Certainly this small comfort had nothing to do with the fact that the captain had addressed her as an equal, and seemed to mean it, and certainly it had nothing to do with the fact that she had missed breakfast and expected to dine with said captain for lunch. Certainly not. Armand roused himself soon after they'd been deposited in their quarters and said little. Being back in the dark ship's brig didn't seem to surprise him at all. He acted as if the world has simply returned to its natural state. Topper was equally silent, no doubt contemplating the coming meal, while Nut was content to hum a shanty and herd rats around the room in delight. Normally she'd expect curses, plans for escape, or lamentations of bad luck to issue from one and all. But the situation, the attitude of the captain, and Fred's cautionary words were working in strange ways upon them. Each of them, Topper, Armand, and Finn, felt a quiet sense of uncertainty that made them uneasy. Certainty of imprisonment, certainty of death, certainty of abuse, these produced definite results and actions. The feelings they had now, however, produced apprehension and hesitation. Finn didn't care for it. The ship had not raised sail, and there had been no sign of the rest of the crew. The only members that seemed to have been invited aboard were the four of them. There had been no word of the fates of the other thirty men ashore, or those on watch aboard the Rattlesnake. Now that the captain had his quarry, why was he not underway to turn them over to the powers of prosecution? Finn couldn't account for it. And so silence prevailed upon them, until at last the bolt was thrown and the luncheon was joined. A single unarmed marine escorted them across the deck to the officer's galley, and a quick glance across the horizon confirmed that they were yet at anchor and the rattlesnake still at rest alongside. In the distance, a thin line of smoke rose from Hank's hovel, but there was no indication of the whereabouts of the rest of the crew. Once in the galley, they were greeted by the smell of fine cooking, the likes of which Finn hadn't enjoyed since she left Bartimaeus's kitchen. A thickly larded ham was the order of the day. It sat in the center of the table and commanded the attention of all the finery about it. China, silver goblets, and bowls of sundry greens and tubers, all gathered in formation about the kingly cut of meat and awaited their call to duty. At the head of the table stood their host and captor, dressed in his finest blues and watching patiently as they filed into the room and gathered around the feast. Thank you, Corporal, that will be all, said the captain. Set guard outside the galley and see that no unwelcome ears are in attendance. Their marine escort clicked his heels and bowed in acknowledgment, then excused himself and slipped out the door and shut it behind him. The captain, while genteel enough in word and hospitality, betrayed a measure of unease in his wrinkled brow. His manner suggested that he hid something and struggled to keep it hidden. I am honored that you would join me. He didn't look at Finn when he spoke, and she suspected that the captain didn't believe his own words. From the corner of her eye, Finn saw Topper's nostrils quivering in delight at the smell of the meal, and before she could answer the invitation, a rumbling yowl echoed from the depth of Topper's belly. Topper leapt into the nearest seat with a moan of pleasure. Finn, Armand, and Nut took their seats. Nut readily. Armand and Finn with suspicion. 
I'm afraid we have yet to be properly introduced, said the captain. I am Nicholas Bettany. The Constellation is my ship and her marines are in my command. He bowed and looked at Finn expectantly. Finn looked at Topper, hoping he would return the greeting and introduce himself, but he had eyes only for the ham. A look toward Armand fared her no better. He smiled at her and nodded his head, urging her to answer. Finn stood up, feeling awkward, and introduced herself as Captain for the first time. Captain Finn Button, of the Rattlesnake, though I hesitate to call it a pleasure. Captain Bettany grimaced. A hesitation that I hope may be reconsidered, Captain Button. Please, sit. As she sat down, Captain Bettany plucked a fork and knife from the table and circled the room to stand next to Finn. Armand tensed and his eyes followed the knife. Please allow me, said Captain Bettany, as he trimmed a hearty slice of ham from the hock and offered it to Finn. Finn nodded, and he placed it on her plate, then proceeded to cut a serving for each of the others, before allowing himself a moderate piece and returning to his seat. Topper finished his helping almost before it hit the plate and made short work of what beans and potatoes he could help himself to. The rest of the company ate in a peculiar silence. Business on an empty stomach is the toil of thieves and beggars. Wouldn't you agree, Captain Button? He raised his tankard and smiled. Well, it's often the toil of sailors as well, said Finn. Too true, but not today. Topper grunted a happy reply as he chewed, and the company ate in silence, watching one another with suspicious eyes. I'll have you tell us why we are here, said Armand. His words were almost a threat. Captain Bettany set his fork before him and squared it against the angle of the table's edge. When he was satisfied with the placement of his tableware, he spoke plainly. I have little patience for the criminal and less for the mutineer. Were I here of my own accord, it would be to harvest your necks for the noose and the good of modern civility. Topper coughed and choked on his ham. Against my better judgment, however, I am here on behalf of the Congress to convey you a proposition, one that personally I find repugnant. He appraised Finn in silence, as if weighing how much information he ought to afford her. What do you know of the war? he asked, directing the question not to Finn but to the entire room. The question may have been rhetorical, but Topper attempted a blubbering answer before the captain cut him off. The war is lost. We've met defeat upon defeat, and in a year's time the revolution will be little more than a brief insurgency in the annals of the empire, unless help is persuaded to our cause. For some time now, Benjamin Franklin has been at the royal court in Paris entreating for our defense. Until now, no offer has come his way. The Countess, Caroline de Graff, however, has lately been abducted. The captain looked around the room. He searched them for a reaction, but saw none. While en route to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, the Countess's ship was assailed by pirates of the Barbary coast. She was taken. The Pasha of Tripoli now holds her in ransom and vows her head shall top a Moorish pike before the year is ended. The Countess, he met Finn's eyes, is the niece of the king. Finn didn't see what the affairs of the French nobility had to do with her. And King Louis is sorely intent upon paying whatever ransom he must to attain her safety. This, Captain, is where you may be of service. 
If the king drains the royal treasury for love of his niece, then no finance shall be left to aid our waning war. If, however, his dear niece should be returned in good health, ransom unpaid, and more returned by an American, well, then, the aid of France shall be ours, and the British will trouble us no longer. The captain stopped, satisfied that all had been explained. You want us to do what exactly? asked Finn. Captain Bettany sighed in exasperation. Ugh, what little navy we have is needed here, Captain. And any naval ship sailing east is sure to find harassment from the Royal Navy. You have quite the reputation in these waters, a reputation that may quickly come to a bad end if your situation is not changed. He slipped a hand into his waistcoat and produced a page of the Gazette. Printed clearly thereon were Finn's face, name, and bounty. This. Captain Button, could conveniently disappear. Finn was breathless. Her heart pounded in her chest. Armand leaned forward to study the paper carefully. The captain worked his next words around in his mouth before managing to get them out. As could the crimes of all your crew. Should your service to the Congress end in success? Armand's eyes narrowed, and he looked up at the captain. Full pardon for all crimes. Full pardons for all crimes, the captain said with distaste. Armand shook his head. You think we can make the crossing and breach the Mediterranean when you can all? The snake is the most wanted sheep in the Atlantic. It is madness. Your fair captain affords that opportunity. He motioned to Finn. Her name and deeds are known up and down the colonies, and words of her capture would spread like balefire. If you agree, then we will allow you safe travel to Charleston, where you may refit and recrew your ship as you desire. Upon embarking for Europe, however, we will give chase and return with news of your deaths at sea and the sinking of your ship. We will send word ahead of you, of course, to announce your demise to the far side of the Atlantic, where you may arrive in your own ease and in your own time untroubled. The English, sirs, are not your difficulty. Your trouble will be with the Barbary pirates. They are far more beastly than any you have known in this sea. They enslave all they capture and sell them to the mines of Araby. Their ships are light, quick, and deadly. They do not tack by sail alone, but by the oar and the arm of the slave. They slip upon you in the night and slit your lines before you wake. Gaining their capital and winning the retreat with your prize will be no easy task, I assure you. But you will risk it, or else you will hang upon the gallows within the week. It is a fool's errand, Chari, said Armand in a harsh whisper. Captain Bettany pretended to ignore him and clenched his jaw while he waited for Finn to answer. Why does the king need us? Surely the French navy could do a better job of it, said Finn. Armand turned his narrowed eyes on the captain. King Louis has no wish to ignite a war or incur an increase to what monies he already pays to ensure his merchants some measure of safety from the pirates. 
The Pasha of Tripoli holds the entire world in ransom. Any country wishing to breach Gibraltar's pass and sail the Mediterranean must pay an annual duty to ensure their ships are not plundered and sunk. For ages, the world has found it far simpler to pay this duty than to fight a war with an enemy that bides no rules of engagement. While there are still occasional acts of piracy, such as that which has befallen the Countess, the waters are in large part safe for a country that pays the devil's due. But should the French openly attack Tripoli, French trade in the Mediterranean would take years to recover, and the annual duty would increase dramatically. I assure you, Captain Button, neither the French, the English, nor even we Americans will dare to lift a finger against the pirates of the coast. The cost is too great. You, on the other hand, are a pirate. And what risk is there in a squabble amongst thieves? Finn looked around the room, but Topper and Armand were no help. That the decision should fall to her was preposterous. Is it certain that if we succeed, the French will come to our aid? She asked. It is not. In fact, the situation is so uncertain that I am of the opinion that more good is to be had of your hanging than of your help. Know, then, that should you refuse this opportunity, I will delight in having you locked away in the brig, where you will not see the light of the sun again until the day you wear the hangman's noose. Some choice, said Finn. The waters of the Barbary are red with blood, said Armand. To trespass against the Pasha of the coast is a costly game. What's to stop us from agreeing to your proposal and then simply disappearing? We are pirates, after all. Being hard to find is one of our specialties. You will be found again, and understand that presently the Congress views you as an ally. While you may technically be a criminal, it is well known that you prey upon the English. Are you so foolish that you think you could long evade capture if you were hounded by the Continentals as well? Finn hadn't thought of that. And think on this. If you do not make the attempt, then the revolution will certainly fail, and the English will be thicker in these waters than you can imagine. Every port will be a danger to you. You will be cast out of your own country and chased to the ends of the earth. As his words faded in Finn's ears, the room closed in around her. In her mind, she imagined herself grown old and weathered and living from island to island, scraping out a life in an underworld of thieves and miscreants. She saw herself sitting at a table, gnawing on a crust of bread and flinching each time the door swung open, fearing that the British had finally boxed her in. She saw a soldier with an eye patch and a jagged scar across his face. He stalked her with his lidless eye and opened his mouth in hideous laughter as he tightened a noose around her neck. She saw fires sweeping across a field of green while insects and animals fled before the scourge. The fire consumed the field and turned its fury upon the home beside it, a home she knew from her dreams. A man sat in the shade of the eaves and rocked in a wooden chair. His face was covered in shadow. The blaze engulfed the house, and the man stood and spread his arms wide to welcome his fiery death. Then, in a flash of light, she was back in the galley. Captain Bettany stood across the table and looked down on her expectantly. 
We'll do it, she said, on one condition. A condition? The captain raised his eyebrows in disbelief. Surely you are not serious. We need a doctor. My first mate is badly wounded and will soon die if he doesn't get help. If you want us to do this, we're going to need him. The rattlesnake will not sail without Jack Wagon. Topper dropped a clean ham bone onto his plate and said, Hear, hear. Grant that, Captain, said Finn, and you will have your countess, and your war will be one. To herself, she thought, and I can go home. <laughs>